The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. As the government strives to meet its housing targets of 33,000 units per year, uh, research by the Housing Commission says Ireland may need up to 62,000 homes in the coming years uh, to meet demand. That's 62,000 every year. Now, that is an upper estimate. Uh, The lower estimate is 42,000 homes per year, but it's still significantly more than the Housing for All targets. So, what should the government do? Well, to get some insight into how the problem has arisen and how it might be solved... Uh, I'm joined uh, by Conor O'Connell, Director of Housing and Planning at the Construction Industry Federation. And we hope to be joined by owner Bryn, the Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Midwest and spokesperson on housing, local government and heritage in a little while. First of all, uh, Conor, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? What do you make of this research? Because it's it's based on uh, a, a sort of a, a premise, and that is that there's a 200-year lifespan for existing homes. Uh, there will be falling household sizes, uh, and therefore uh, we will need, if we expand our households, as we have been doing, 62,000 per year. But if we don't, 42,000 per year, and we're nowhere near that. No, and look, and housing supply and housing figures and housing demand can be a very controversial subject, but there's no doubt about it. All the indicators seem to be pointing that we need to deliver a lot more homes than maybe are planned for at the moment. Now, it's very difficult to be critical of the targets within Housing for All when we haven't quite yet reached 33,500 units per year. You know, it's estimated that we will reach 28,000 units in 2022, which is a significant increase on the year before. But however, we've had an extraordinary set of circumstances over the last number of years, Pat, in terms of inward immigration, in terms of household formation, in terms of a whole set of factors that have constrained and limited housing supply, such as material cost increases, COVID shutdowns, etc. So there's no doubt about it. We we seem to need to be delivering a lot more than are planned for at the moment. And that obviously has significant follow-on yeah. implications then. Now, there are a couple of roadblocks along the way. I mean, we know that, uh, according to the, the latest figures, uh, almost 29,000 housing units in large developments are awaiting permission mission from on board Planola and that uh, board has had significant difficulties in recent times. It is. The supply of housing just doesn't happen in isolation, Pat. The supply of housing depends on the supply of zoned land. It depends on the supply of infrastructure, mainly utilities to service that zoned land. You then need the supply of planning and of course you need the supply of uh, funding for affordable and viable product. They're the main factors yeah. that will deliver housing supply. Okay, so, so if you look we have at enough zoned land, haven't we? No, not at all. We would contend, and we've done reports on this, uh, we're actually dezoning land at the moment in certain counties in Ireland that have high population growth. Um, that has a result that we say of a flawed analysis through the national planning framework in relation to our population growth. Our population growth was determined uh, at a time when we had very low population growth following the last recession. We welcome the recent announcements that there will be a review of the national planning framework and we need to zone more land path in areas of high growth. Mm. Uh, 
No, no, then if you look uh, at the, you know, the, the yeah. reason obviously people are reluctant to zone more land is that uh, there are planning permissions out there and according to uh, the, the, the stats again uh, of over 103,000 SHD units that were granted permission uh, almost 29,000 of those haven't started you know they're, they're, they're stopped in other words people you're, you're suspecting that they got planning permission to add value and then they didn't no, bother I- building them because building is just too much trouble no, it, look, why would any builder at the moment, Pat, uh, sit on a, on a planning application that they could proceed with in a market of high demand with high price points? It makes absolutely no logical sense for anyone to sit on a planning permission that they could possibly deliver viably at the moment. The reason that, that some of those planning permissions are not being implemented um, is down to a number of factors, um, Pat, including... Uh, viability, the cost of apartment construction in recent years has increased very significantly due to the material cost inflation, and that has impacted significantly. No, no, on no. no. The, the, you know that's in the last year because of the war in Ukraine and the 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 effect of en- energy prices and on everything from steel to timber and all the rest of it. I know the pandemic and some of the slowdown in delivery uh, in the supply chain had some impact. But uh, these planning permissions, many of them precede those difficulties. And still, when, you know, labour was cheaper and materials were cheaper, they weren't built. Um, Pat, I remember and recall doing reports into apartment viability in 2017, 2018, 2019. Uh, Apartment viability in particular, which would make up the vast number of units that may be held up at the moment um, due to viability issues, has always been very difficult. Now, that did change for a number of years when the International Real Estate Investment Trust came into this country and forward-funded apartment schemes. But that was in certain locations where the yield for them was right and they could afford to fund it and build out those schemes. Um, But certainly um, there was other areas, suburban areas, where it was a lot more challenging to to deliver apartments viably. Why would someone though, who understands all of this, and I don't think the the construction industry is bereft of brains and uh, intelligence in these matters, why would they get permission for things which, uh, you know, the CIF could have told they were non-viable? If you don't have the cash, in other words, and the big companies do have the cash, you know, the Currents Homes and people like that, they have the cash and they can do it. Um, but the, 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 the smaller guys can't. Maybe they're in the wrong business. You know, if they don't have the resources to actually build schemes, maybe they are in the wrong business. Um, I think that's a bit unfair, Pat. You have many, many companies, a a lot of the traditional family-owned companies that you're probably referring to there are actively delivering sites at the moment, are actively delivering homes. Uh, Many of them, uh, because of the density guidelines, and this is a quite detailed technical area that can be difficult to explain at times, but the density guidelines of over 35 units per hectare in certain areas would require, depending on the type of site, may require you to lodge uh, as part of uh, of an application to lodge an application for apartments which in many instances um, were very very difficult to fund it was yeah. easy in many instances for the builder to come along to show because um, a builder has to go to a funder to show the project is viable it's easy to show that the housing units in that particular site are viable but maybe in the corner of that site where there was uh, an apartment yeah. complex that was granted permission it was more difficult to show to the funder that it was viable 
And that was, that is a big issue yeah. well, you in know, many the whole, suburban areas. The, the whole green agenda is about density and, and cramming as many people into shoeboxes as you possibly can so they can all take the bus or the bike. That's, uh, you know, to put it in a, a nutshell. Are you saying that really even the planners and the people, uh, you know, in the housing department, the ideologues um, have got it wrong that, you know, people still want houses if they can get them? It, there's no doubt about it. There's a there's a very very strong demand for housing, and if you look at the statistics at the moment, it does seem that initiatives such as the first home scheme, you know, the change to the macroprudential rules, the extension of the help to buy scheme, all government initiatives are yielding results in relation to, as you call it, your traditional homes market, your three bed semis, your four bed semis. There's strong demand, strong market for apartments. Maybe the market is a bit less unknown. But having said that. There is a need to develop more sustainably in Ireland along existing transport corridors. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to mean apartments. If you look at the European models of high density development, you can achieve units of 35 to 50 to the hectare uh, with own door units. And we do welcome, we understand that the design and density guidelines will be out for public consultation shortly. And that will facilitate more own door units where maybe. In recent years, people may have applied for apartments to achieve that high density. But now, in the future, hopefully there will be an opportunity for them to apply for more owned or type units. But just in relation to Amborpanala, look, there is a real problem pattern. If we really want to up the supply of units, we do need to get our extra resources into Amborpanala urgently to free up the supply of planning. Yeah, I mean, on board Planola is obviously reeling under the scandals um, that uh, arose in that board. Um, but the, the, when you talk about on board Planola, and I've talked to the minister about this, and he pledged that he would deliver on this when he's reforming the board, that a rules-based system where everybody knows where they stand would accelerate housing development. In other words. A developer knows the rules, knows how high he or she can go, uh, knows how wide the road has to be, knows what infrastructure they have to put in, etc., etc., etc. And if your scheme conforms with that, basically, you know you'll get it. And the locals know that if your scheme conforms with that, they know you're you're going to get it. There's no point in going for a judicial review or anything like that, because the rules are the rules and everyone understands them. In Ireland, we always seem to want to be able to fudge at political level and at planning level. No, there's absolutely no doubt about it. We need more certainty. We need to de-risk the system. Um, It does take, and what we're being told by international funders, what we're being told by international developers, is that it does take uh, a lot longer in Ireland to get through the system for want of a better word. Um, And that's just not the planning system, that's the legal system, the judicial review system, and certainly the introduction of more certainty in that system would be welcomed, even by those that maybe (laughs) want to object. What happens, though, in in our system is that someone applies for uh, so many apartments and uh, then they get them, and then they want to densify the scheme and they go in again. And if they knew what the rules were at the beginning, they'd either go for the denser scheme to begin with, or they'd know they'd no chance uh, to densify their scheme and they wouldn't bother. And that would accelerate everything. There are so many things that are stalled because of changes that people want to make midstream. 
no agreed pat and um we've had issues as well with different case precedent that has come out in relation to some of the challenges that has caused extra confusion in the system so certainly a system with more rules or more um clarity would be welcomed by everyone i think all right uh, anyway let's hope that that clarity comes with uh, the reform of the board and the planning regime generally conor o'connell director of housing and planning at Const- the construction industry federation cif uh, thanks very much ona breen uh, the Sinn fein spokesperson on housing joins us now and has been listening at least to the tail end of that conversation uh, own good morning Good morning, Kubak. Now, uh, the headlines this morning all about un- unbuilt units that have planning, units that are stalled in on board Planola, and a demand for housing that is far greater than anything that uh, the government anticipated in Housing for All, and I'm sure even Sinn Féin anticipated, up to 62,000 units per year. Well, actually, the Housing Commission uh, uh, research that's reported in the Irish Times this morning um, uh, really kind of, I suppose, is the nail in the coffin of the government's inadequate housing targets. But it confirms what most experts, many people in industry, and many of us in opposition have actually been saying as far back as 2020. Uh, Back at the very start of 2020, we argued at that point there was a need for at least 40,000 new homes a year between the public sector and the private sector. We've had three years of unmet demand uh, and missed targets over that period. We've obviously had stronger economic growth in terms of, of, of jobs and, and it has posed new household formation within the population. Plus, we have Ukraine and the outworkings of all of that. So for about a year and a half, I've been saying to government that they needed to commission independent experts to do an objective needs-based analysis, publish that independently, free from government interference, so we'd all know what the need is. And actually, uh, it's not that government didn't anticipate this. When the government's own targets were being set using a tool called Housing Needs Demand Assessment, they explicitly excluded what we call pent-up demand. So the demand in the housing system that has grown over a decade of undersupply, particularly of social affordable housing. That was a choice that this government made uh, at the start uh, of their term of office. And therefore, pent-up demand, particularly the undersupply of social affordable housing over a decade, was excluded from the target. So everybody has known uh, the targets were wrong. I think what now needs to happen is, is, and obviously I haven't seen the housing agency's research, but as soon as it's possible, that needs to be published. And then the job of validating and updating that annually needs to be taken away from the department and the minister, given to an independent body, not unlike our housing completion figures. And we'll have an objective assessment, not only of the total number of new homes, but within that, how many social homes do we actually need? How many affordable homes do we actually need? How many owner-occupier purchase homes do we actually need? Because it's not just about the macro targets. The government yeah. has also got the targets for social affordable housing wrong. And blue in the face saying it, hopefully with this Housing Commission research, if the government does the right thing, finally we'll have an objective independent yeah. need. Now there is a problem. Can work from you there. know, with the best will in the world, it seems that because of costs, <laughs> uh, because of labour shortages and so on, that we're kind of pumping out as many houses as we possibly can and as many apartments as we possibly can. The idea of trying to double that output is jaw-dropping. Yeah, and keep in mind uh, that, that, that the Housing Agency, sorry, the Housing Commission research, should I say, isn't saying that you need to double it tomorrow. They're providing a range, or they're saying that that range over a period of time is somewhere between 42 and 62,000 new units a year. Um, so the, the, the range is what's important. You're absolutely right, there are constraints, but some of those constraints uh, are not as difficult as people claim. The Irish Humboldt Association will tell you there is additional capacity to increase supply and, and Connor outlined 
a variety of, of initiatives that could be taken, so which I agree with and fabricated myself to accelerate both the supply of private housing and public housing. I'm particularly concerned about the public housing side because we expect the private sector to have exceeded its overall targets under the current government's housing plan for last year. But we know, for example, from the Department of Public Expenditure report uh, that was published in the media uh, over the weekend that uh, the government is about 80% behind on its affordable targets last year and 25% behind on its social targets. And there are very specific reasons which have nothing to do with labour shortages or, or money. Uh, they have to do with bureaucracy imposed by the Department of Housing. A billion euros of capital spending in the Department of Housing went unspent last year. Uh, only 1,000 of 4,000 affordable homes were delivered uh, and only 6,500 of 9,000 social homes. So and you're, you're, blaming the, you're blaming the bureaucracy, in other words, the civil service in the Department of Housing? So there, there are three reasons. Uh, the first is there is absolutely no doubt, and this, this predates the last couple of years, but keep in mind government have missed their social and affordable housing targets for three to four years in a row. There is far too much red tape imposed both by the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform and the Department of Housing on the delivery of social affordable homes by local authorities and food housing bodies. The very fact that the time when costs are increasing, the Department of Housing uh, has a capital underspend of a billion euros confirms that. But there are also other things. So, for example, with tens of thousands of vacant homes, there isn't enough action, particularly in terms of forward funding local authorities to acquire and refurbish those uh, vacant homes for social affordable use. Likewise, government has been talking for almost a decade about new building technologies, high quality, fully compliant with fire safety, timber-based building products. <clears throat> but the people who are providing those products aren't getting contracts from government, aren't getting the pipeline of work. So, yes, we do need to increase labour supply. There's no doubt about that. And there's ways of doing that through second-level education, apprenticeships, etc. But more homes could have been delivered last year than were delivered. And in particular... The public sector needs to shoulder its share of the overall output better than it has been doing today. Yeah. Three years of missed social and affordable yeah. housing targets. Now, now just That's to, 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 to clarify, um, the, the, the government and local authorities, I mean, they use private builders to do their building. There, there are no, you know, builders' yards. Uh, there might be maintenance yards in the council areas, but no builders' yards where they actually have construction crews who go out and build houses. They use the private sector. Um, the private sector is very busy at the moment. Where is the output going to come from? I mean, you may talk about the how bureaucratic the whole process is and, you know, the money slow and coming through. But those builders are all building either for themselves or somebody else at the moment. They are, but, but where the bureaucracy really causes the problem is in what we call the pre-construction uh, phase. So that housing manager from a local authority wants to build 100 homes. It can take two to three years before the builders even get on site. And therefore, if we want to be delivering homes, we have to shorten that process. Likewise, new building technologies, and these have been used in London and Helsinki and Paris and Warsaw elsewhere, where they actually manufacture the homes off-site, again, fully compliant with all building controls and fire safety, they can be manufactured much more quickly. We're not using mm-hmm. those technologies. What I would also say is, in fact, vast majority of homes that will be delivered through the public sector uh, last year won't actually have been uh, uh, where the local authority, the approved housing body, has its own land, its own planning commission and contracts in a private builder. They will actually be purchased off the private sector by private developers, either through turnkeys or park fives. And that is also a risk at a time of, of falling uh, private sector commitments. So you're absolutely right. That there, there, is, there is X amount of building workers in the country at the moment. But again, the Irish Home Builders Association, who represent the small and medium-sized building contractors out there, they are telling us that there is additional capacity to build more homes. 
we also have a lot of construction sector workers building the wrong types of things because of government tax incentives, whether for data centres or for apart hotels or for co-living. And therefore, we also need to see changes in fiscal policy to ensure that the builders we do have, and we need to grow those number of construction sector professionals year on year, but the builders we do have building are building the thing that right. we need the most. The most pressing demand is for large volumes of genuinely affordable, good quality homes right. we- to rent or buy that working people can afford and more social homes to tackle the homelessness crisis. Well, clearly uh, lots of food for thought in all of those housing headlines uh, this morning. Uh, before you go, Owen, I'm sure you anticipate this question, but <laughs> after the revelations about Sinn Féin in mm-hmm. 2016, do you kind of owe Pascal an apology for the bally ragging you gave him? No, no, I don't. Let me first. Not of all you, say, no, personally. I, I don't think you were involved. Sure, but Pierce no, Doherty no, I, 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 uh, sort of went fifteen rounds with Pascal, battering him around the place, and then, lo and behold, it turns out that oh, we made a mistake. Says Sinn Fein, we didn't declare all our stuff for twenty sixteen. You know, well, I, the, the glass house well, actually, has very the, fragile panes in his windows. The the the, the actual primary uh, issue that we didn't do, uh, and we hold our hands up in this is actually we didn't pay one of those invoices for a venue for press conferences. And because the money actually wasn't paid, uh, uh, there was no... You also did pay some bills for hotels and didn't mention them. Uh, And the big difference between uh, uh, our error and Pascal is is whenever errors are brought to our attention, we rectify them immediately. 2016, my God. 2016. It's 2023 now. let Let me answer the question, and I'm more than happy to answer it. Uh, with respect to Pascal Donoghue, the matters in question were brought to his attention in 2017. He refused to rectify them then. They were brought to his attention by the media in 2022. He refused to rectify them then. He came before the door the week before last, said he was making a full and frank statement and failed to do so and had to come back and made a second one. Yes, we've made errors. And absolutely, Pat, I hold my hand up and say we made those errors. But whenever they were brought to our attention, either in terms of the opinion poll in 2016 uh, or these outstanding invoices and the other payments for hotels, we rectify them immediately and we're fully yeah. compliant. Yeah, no, it, it just seems to me that, that you, you know, when you're caught, a, you admit it. You know, there's, there's, oh, as soon as we were caught, we uh, we owned up. It's 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 no, a no, similar it's, kind of offence, Owen. In all fairness, it's not. It's not. It's not in the following way. Pascal was notified twice, 2017 and 2022, and he refused to address the issue. And there is a world of difference between Pascal refusing to declare donations from a wealthy businessman who subsequently got appointments to the state boards and state contracts and a genuine administrative error, which is when it's brought to your attention, you deal with straight away. Should we have made that mistake? No, we shouldn't. I hold my hands up. It's poor practice. But it is a world of difference uh, to the minister responsible for the standards in public office in 2017, 2022, and two weeks ago in the Dáil, refusing to adequately address, and I still don't think he's adequately addressed issues around the full cost of the donations that he accepted from Michael Stone, both in 2016 and 2020. And the other big difference is, even when we rectified our mistakes, we're well below the spending limits for elections. There's a huge question over Pascal Donahue, that is the full, true economic value uh, of the two donations he received. Yeah. In those I, I, I don't know, you, you, you incredibly thick skins, uh, you know, thick skins about Jonathan Dowdle and all the rest, you know, taking money from a man who was a convicted torturer and also implicated in the regions. You know, but, this, but, 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 you know let, this is, this very, is very let, muddy let, water let, indeed. It's absolutely not. Let's be very clear. The donation of a thousand euros from Jonathan Dowdall was a decade ago. It was fully declared, uh, and we were not aware. And he had neither been charged or convicted of offences. 
Uh, if we had known then what we know now, we wouldn't have accepted any money from him. But be very clear, his donation a decade ago was declared. We were fully compliant with CIPO rules. Pascal Donahue still isn't fully compliant with CIPO rules. Uh, and I think there's more uh, to hear about Pascal Donahue's story, particularly in terms of what happens if CIPO do uh, in the okay. investigation. We will leave it there. Owen Bryn, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.